Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. Let us tenderly and kindly cherish, therefore, the means of what? which is why I sent it home with you in the first place, the means of knowledge. So you ready for the second part? Let us dare to, let us dare to, let us dare to, let us dare to, let us dare to read, think, speak, and write. And Tyler, who wrote that? John Adams. Tyler's question, his question was, is that the same Adams that the school is named after? And I told you? Yes. And the reason why that is a perfect question is that you dare to think. Dare to read, think, speak, and write. Who wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John. And I'm Sammy. <laughs> Are you sure? It sounded like you were, had to think about it. You're like, fuck, what's my name? <laughs> I did. And welcome back for a second week in a row. First, uh, first time since uh the Halloween episodes, we've had the same guest uh, two weeks in a row, but Joseph came back for some reason. Hi, I'm here. We didn't scare him off the first time. He came to replace Sammy in case she can't make it all the way through the episode. Well, full disclosure, Sammy's tired, and today's uh, we're recording on Star Wars Day, and, and Return of the and Empire Strikes Back may be playing on my TV, so if either of us zone out, Joseph's got to carry the show. Oh, y'all are going to get canceled really quickly. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Joseph. Just go for it. Um, uh, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, on that most recent episode of Surviving Chick Flicks, did you say, in fact, that the on the media? Um, I played multiple the times. <laughs> you can't prove it. There is no recording device. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. <laughs> that was the recording. <laughs> it's the Mary and Barry crack tape of podcasts. I'm telling you, Joseph, it's okay if you get us canceled. Just, you know, make sure whatever your thoughts are, they last about an hour to an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. I don't have any just, just remember, just remember, just like Indians baseball, you can't say goddamn on the air, even though no one's listening. <laughs> Yeah, uh, seriously, I don't have uh, I don't have thoughts that go that long. So uh, this is going to be a very short episode. If it's just me. <laughs> so if it's the three of us, it's just going to be a long one. Well, yeah, because you know, whenever I run out of things to say, y'all take over. <laughs> oh, fuck! That, that, well, that was our plan. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember. I don't know if y'all remember. Last week, I said that this is going to be the episode where Sammy was going to try really hard not to get on the soapbox. Well, at this point, I the soapbox is real, real far away, and I just don't think I'm going to make it there. 
the soapbox involves me to put on my running shoes and uh, no. Well, well, it's no matter what happens, it is going to be an interesting conversation because after watching this film twice, I can guarantee you that no matter what side of the aisle, whatever our take is, is wrong. But this week, we are talking about the 2011 drama Won't Back Down. So why don't we play the trailer and then I rattle off all the 87 people in this movie and then we just see what happens. <laughs> We're late, we're late. Go, go, this go. This school doesn't care. I care. Duh. <laughs> Try it again. I can't. Cody, you can do it. Come on. I don't get it, Mom. I can't wait. With 10,000 studies about how being poor affects education, I can tell you being poor sucks and my kid can't read. What happened? Where is she? Excuse me. I punished her because she does not follow rules. Are you insane? I'm gonna get you out of there. We are taking back our schools. Go out there and fight for something better. You have to find a teacher that has the same ideas you do. We're gonna try something new. We're gonna work a little harder, me included. You wanna take over this school with me? You think that's dumb? I think it's a knockout. There's drugs, there's gangs. Change the school, you change the neighborhood. You really think you could turn this around? I can't say for certain. 100% yes. I'm trying to explain to you why your kid's tanking. I'll sell it to some other jerk. Are you the one out there leading the charge? I saw you teach. You're really good at it. Do you think this is a date? No. Yeah, maybe. What qualifies you to run a school? If you're on campus, you will be arrested. your ideals, but Malia will suffer for them. Don't use my daughter to scare me. The petition will be denied. You think you got the best of me? All out war is how we gotta look at it. Under attack, we attack. It's a feeding frenzy. District offices all over the state are getting slammed with calls. This is not good. Baby, you don't know me. We gotta be the change we wanna see. Watching you reminded me of something I've been missing. My mom used to say, what are you going to do with your one and only life? Dare to read, speak, and write. Dare to think. Won't back down. Have you heard about those mothers that lift one-ton trucks off their babies? They're nothing compared to me. All right, Won't Back Down, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, Oscar Isaac, Holly Hunter. Rosie Perez, Amy Allen Lind, Lance Reddick of The Wire. We have a new drinking game segment, which we'll get into in a second. Marianne Jean-Baptiste, Bill Nunn, Radio Rahim, and Ving Rames for like five seconds, and he disappeared into the night. Oh, Directed by like Daniel three. Barnes. It was more like three minutes. All right, so starting this week, we're going to add a new uh, segment to the bingo card or drinking game, whatever you guys are playing at home. But take a drink or mark off on the card every time John gets excited because someone from The Wire is in the movie, even if it's for four seconds. Oh, you're going to be drunk in no time. 
If they survived the Goodwill hunting episodes, that's basically this movie. I did Tell ride a real Tell us how you horse. really feel, John. Don't back down. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> he I said did the... ride a real <laughs> What? He said the thing. He said the title of the movie. <laughs> ah, that's why he said that. Huh? <laughs> I will become Superman 4, the quest for peace. <laughs> uh, I did actually write out a real brief plot synopsis. So I did work this week. Good for you. Yeah. Alright, let, let me read that real quick. <clears throat> Jamie, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, works for a car dealership by day and tins bar by night. All And wants the best for her daughter all around the clock. But when a tenured teacher at a failing school refuses to help her daughter, Malia, who has trouble reading to her dis- due to her dyslexia, she sets out on a mission to help her daughter. First, by entering Malia into a lottery to help move her into a, one of the open slots at a better school. But, that when she, but when that fails, she reaches out to Nona, played by Viola Davis, a teacher also dealing with a child with a learning disability, to try and get Malia into her class. When that fails, Jamie is told about the fail-safe law in which parents can fight to take over a school but in order to get the help she needs, she needs support from enough teachers and parents to even try to propose this to the school board. Jamie convinces Nona to team up with her in an attempt to convince the very pro-union te- pro teachers of the school to come on board and take a chance on having no, no union protection but an ability to teach the kids in the way they want to. The pair face a lot of obstacles from parents, and Nona is all but shunned by her co-workers, Meanwhile, Jamie is tempted by a representative from the teachers' union, played by Holly Hunter, to back down in exchange for help with tuition for a charter school. But Jamie and Nora are still determined and have an ace in their pocket. Olivia, played by Marianne John Baptiste, a retiring uh, president of the school board who admires their efforts as these angry moms and weary teachers fight, in a, fight the power in an attempt to better their children's lives. The end. You weren't kidding. That was a short synopsis. Yeah, I'm, I did that on a lunch break. However, it uh, pretty much perfectly sums up what happens here. Yeah, because <clears throat> the, the plot of this movie is kind of relatively simple, but the journey they go through is also relatively pretty simple. <laughs> it, it, to me, it did feel like it kind of meandered at times. It, 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 they didn't really focus on. Well, I understand why I didn't focus on more than one on one just one person. But there are times where it's like, okay, where where exactly is this completely going? Yeah. Well, it's going kind of along the lines of that old Kathleen Madigan joke. Uh, to paraphrase it, uh, if you annoy the school board long enough, they let you be the teacher. Um, so, uh, real quick, just just for shits and giggles and uh, consistency, uh, we'll start with our guest. Joseph, when was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, a couple days ago. <laughs> I, I had no idea. This that's, that's usually my answer. <laughs> yeah. no this week, this John and the guest had the Sammy answer. <laughs> this, this movie, I had no idea this movie existed. And I was just like, what? What even is this? And then I watched the trailer. I was like, 
oh, okay, when did this come out? I was like, wow, this came out a long time ago. You <laughs> and the rest like a... of the world's population. She's <laughs> like a decade old. I at least remember this film coming out, and I'm just like, eh, I probably won't see that. <laughs> I had no idea this movie. I don't remember seeing a trailer. If I did, it was completely like once, and I forgot all about it. Yeah. I I know I saw a trailer for it. I probably saw a trailer for it in theaters, but I couldn't tell you if that's one hundred percent certainty. But I do remember the film coming out, and I think it even took the number one slot at the box office. And to give you an indication of when this movie may have come out in the year, it got dethroned by Victor Frankenstein. Oh. So, really? so yeah, so, it was terrible. Yeah, so we're looking at sometime in late August or early January. <laughs> so, John, of this episode, Sammy, when did you first see this? Movie? <laughs> you know, I don't exactly remember, but um, I think that I, I am pretty sure we saw it in theaters. Like, I'm not a hundred percent sure certain that we saw it in theaters, but. Um, I remember seeing the preview for it and thinking, having the opposite of John's reaction and thinking, man, I really want to see that. Oddly enough, though, it's funny because although I don't remember when I saw it, I know it had a big impact on me. And Meanwhile, I think if I did see a trailer for it, I was just like, well, that looks like it's gunning for an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) And it has an Oscar in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Still a long day. That that was actually that was actually in my notes. This kind of feels like Oscar bait, but I don't think they ever quite hit that caliber of Oscar level. I don't think they did because this movie did not have the warmest of welcomes and rece- and receptions. And I think we should just go ahead and uh, acknowledge the elephant and the donkey in the room. <laughs> this <laughs> this movie is kind of uh let's just say uh this movie has been attacked for uh being propaganda yeah and, I can and see. being anti-union propaganda which is weird because uh half the people in this film and the guy that made it are all liberal but it's one of the this movie's about an issue that seems like no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you, this movie either made you really mad or really happy. Or somehow both. I really think it's got to lie more in the area of both. And I think that's funny because I, the first time I saw this movie, I didn't get that. I mean, I didn't get that at all. But now that I, now I see where people get that impression, I just come to a different conclusion. I don't think the purpose of this movie, as intended by the people who made it, was to bash unions. Because if if that was their purpose, they could have gone about it an entirely different way. You know, it would have been a movie about bringing down the union, but more, I think it was a movie, honestly, about the system working. In, in In so much as all they were saying is, there needs to be... For every big power structure we have, there needs to be a check on that power structure. And that's all they were doing. It, nobody in this film said that the union should be dismantled or that it shouldn't exist. All they said was, we need the ability to operate outside the union when it's necessary. Or when yeah. so the, the union's 
in this case, the education system, the people that were running it specifically in the state of Pennsylvania, were not yeah. doing what they needed to do to fix the system. Right. Yeah. And That's this it. film was distributed by uh, 20th Century Fox, a studio that if you're not in any of the uh, producer, writer, actor, or director's unions, uh, you can't play with them. <laughs> uh, but I, looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score, like, critics savage this movie, and I understand why critics savage this movie, because we'll get into it later, talking about our boy Roger Ebert. But this has a 61% rating from the critical from the audience score and that makes a lot of sense because this is kind of a feel good movie but at the same time it's not you know it's kind of heavy handed at sometimes and you know we'll get into whether or not Joseph and I survived throughout the course of this episode uh, but i i'm actually not that shocked at uh at the scores for either side. No, I was a little shocked by the critic rating. I expected it to be more in like maybe the 50 range when I was looking on uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. But like I said, it's it's not a terrible movie by any means. It's just, it is heavy. Yeah. There are times where it's like, yeah, that was a little much in that area. They, they could have done a little bit differently. Yeah. Well, Roger Ebert, who gave the film to... Two stars out of four. The headline for his review was essentially, if if only ta- changing the system was this easy. Yeah, they did make it seem extremely easy. It, it is not that easy. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't see the whole like what Sammy uh, was saying that uh, they're going with the narrative that unions are bad. I, there's it's such a minor part. I think it was just more of like in this case. They're not really effective in this area. Well, you reason. Well, the movie focuses on two union reps at a certain point. One play played by Holly Hunter, who is our idealistic, you know, person, you know, the person that's going to change their heart by the end of the movie. And then the other guy was the sniveling little bureaucrat that's going to resort to smear campaigns and you know, aggressive tactics to further home their, you know further bring home their agenda and this movie is seen so much as anti-union propaganda that in the four pieces of imdb trivia it is 25 percent of it that this movie is anti-union propaganda and on the director's wikipedia page when it mentions he made the film Whoever edited his page also made sure to point out that the film was attacked as it, uh, for being anti-union propaganda. So this film pissed some people off. Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, which I just don't get. I mean, I, I, okay, I say this. I understand how people could come to that conclusion, but I think the people that came to that conclusion took an incredibly simplistic look at this film and and the message it was trying to get out there. If that was the message that they were honestly trying to do, first of all, the only, like, per se antagonist in the film would have been the unions, and that was not exactly the case. No, also, I mean... They, that would have been their... Their purpose would have been to do something to dismantle the unions. It wouldn't have been 
hey, the union is being ineffectual. They're, they're in this particular case, they're allowing this school to fail. And because of these over these very restrictive union contracts, the teachers at the school can't fix the problem. Yeah. So we need a solution. And all they did was use something that already existed to mm-hmm. as an alternative route. They never said that unions shouldn't exist or that they weren't doing anything good. In fact, I would argue Oscar Isaac's character existed for the exact purpose of operating as a balance of the yeah. fact that this was not s- simply a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. Now, I and what I see when I when I watch this movie like I really didn't dive into the anti-union stuff until I was really kind of putting the research together. I mean, I see it on the surface level. I mean, there's even a dropped line by Holly Hunter. It's like, wait, when did Norma Ray become the bad guy? But I, I think the villain in this movie is not the unions, but just the system in general, because the character, I mean, yeah, you had the sniveling little twit uh, from the teachers' union that started attacking Nona uh, whenever they were getting closer and closer to the hearing at the end of this movie. But to me, the characters that really pissed me off were Molly's teacher, who was tenured, God, so therefore, the worst. yeah, so therefore she didn't have to do shit at her job, and the principal, who played by Bill Nunn in his last role whenever he just he didn't care he didn't want to listen to he didn't want to move molly into a different class and in fact he even asked nona to fix attendance records which is illegal right and i and i don't know how do you guys feel about this i one of the things that i think this movie points out is i get how roger ebert and people would come to the king like would would get to the point of thinking okay this movie is overly simplistic it's not that easy to fix the system it's overly hopeful but so are a lot of so are a lot of movies and i think that one of the reasons it did what it did is because if you make a movie about the way it typically works. I shouldn't say that. I, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. If you make a movie about what m- in most cases would happen, it would just be an, an incredibly depressing film that no one would watch. Like um, the school board uh, member told Viol- Viola Davis's character, eventually you'll begin to embrace futility. And I think that's most of the time what happens. People give up. And I think that's the purpose behind the message of this movie is sometimes it does work. Yeah. Well, two things. Number one, that film does exist. It's called season four of the wire drink. But (laughs) the, the, cause the, the show, the wire, it does focus on troubles in Baltimore, mostly stem from the drug war. Um, In season one, it was on in the streets and season to it was on the docks, but season four was begin was looking at the problems in City Hall and then the pro- the problems in Baltimore schools because the school storyline involved one of the former uh, cops that were working on the drug war. He quit and became a teacher, and that shows shows you how how fucked up these bad schools can be. Because I, I was telling Sammy in the pre-call, there is a moment where in, that shows truant officer going to pick kids up for their one day because they had to be there one day out of so many days 
so that way they continue to get funding. And the entire point of the show, The Wire, is no matter where you are in the system, it's broken. And two, in defense of guys like Roger Ebert and other critics, you also have to remember they're seeing four or five movies a day. They kind of get tired of the same tropes. They see the same tropes. And they're also having to go off their gut reaction based on the first time they saw it. And that opinion can change over time. Because uh, Roger Ebert famously trashed the movie Blue Velvet and then later changed his opinion. But he, ha- he went with how he felt in that moment. And also, he also got shit for giving Godfather 3 a three and a half star rating. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, love Roger or hate Roger, in defense of critics, the reason why we tend to be the way we are is just because we see the same shit over and over. So, yeah, and, and Roger, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. But yeah, you get used to certain things. And when you start seeing the same patterns, you're like, okay, I'm tired Mm -hmm. of seeing it. Yeah. Because this film is kind of a sister film. It's the fictionalized version of events that happened in a documentary called Waiting for Superman, which Roger gave three and a a half stars out of four, and was also made by Walden Media, who also made this film. His take was, it was just too easy. And this movie was trying to tell you it's actually difficult and then it ended up not being so difficult but also if this film didn't have a positive ending where the parents uh got what they wanted well then like you're not going to get that 61 percent of the awkward uh, uh, audience score you're going to get something like a two <laughs> yeah. right exactly because then i mean what's the point yeah well i mean we have seen films where the hero's journey took them to a major event, and I'm using Rocky here as an example. Spoiler alert for the first Rocky film, but Rocky actually loses the fight, but he's the hero of the film because he went the distance. He overcame odds. So you could make that film. Uh, oh, and a, a better example. Um, a few good men, where the their, the defense proves that it wasn't cal- cold blooded calculated murder, but at the end they still had the rug pulled out from under them whenever the two defendants get the dishonorable discharge. Right. So there is a way to tell the story of it is hard and it is sometimes futile, and that may not necessarily work for a movie, but more of maybe like if this was like a series on Netflix, like I could see them losing the hearing in the first season. But over over the course of the next few years, eventually they get the change they're looking for. And then the show goes downhill. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking of that, too. Like, this would have been a really good series because they didn't get a lot of chance to expand on a lot of the characters. A lot of, a lot of them felt like footnotes in the story. Like, yeah. I wanted to see more about the kids, even though, you know, it really wasn't about the kids, but it was like, the kids just kind of seem there. I, I was going to say, if you want to see the kids, then you need to see movies like Dangerous Minds. Or, and then people are going to, you two and the people at home are going to get tired of hearing this. Season four of The Wire. You, <laughs> you, 
you get time with the kids, you get time with the teachers, you get time with the school board, and you get that almost complete picture of just how shitty the situation is. Right, and I think I'm going to give it like an A for effort in the sense that a lot of the stories that we see, this is one of my favorite, I guess you'd call it a sub-genre, but it's the, like, Lean On Me, Stand By Me, Freedom Riders, Coach Carter. It's like this Um, sub-genre of really feel-good stories, and they almost always involve a singular teacher that does something in a single environment. And it's all about the teacher and the effect they had on a small group of students. This story tackles a much larger system. And that's a lot harder story to tell. Well, yeah, and that's what I liked about Viola Davis's character because at first she's just like, "This is not going to work. None of this yeah. is going to happen." And about halfway through the movie, she finally starts going like, "You know what? This could work." Yeah, this, I, this like, bartender that once dated Batman has a point. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I did love her chemistry with uh, Viola Davis, her and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. It was great. I thought their chemistry was really good, and I loved every minute, like, in the middle of the movie where there, she's trying to get her on her side, and you get to see Viola Davis' character is just extremely annoyed by her. <laughs> yeah. My favorite well, part that written oh, down God. gives her a thumbs up uh, when she's looking at her in the window. And she <laughs> just, like, drops. Like, no, no, I can't do this. <laughs> That's what I think is, like, one of the best things, too, about this film, is it it's sympathetic to where, where most of the people that work in this system are at, which is you obviously, like, uh, one of the things I think this movie did really, really well through Viola Davis's character and even, even the kind of antagonist, Deborah, Molly's teacher, and the other teachers at her school, is it showed the position of what a lot of good people in a very flawed system can have happened to them. And it's just, they get, it's nearly impossible not to become cynical and to just get to the point where what's the point in fighting the system? It's too exhausting. Yeah. Even though we don't like her, you know, Deborah, we understand that um, the system failed her too. Yeah, even though she's she's a completely miserable person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I think she was a miserable person before the system wore her down. Just by... I, I agree. Yeah. I, really do. I question why she became a teacher. Yeah. I you know, wanted to be a you know who... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I'm good. Uh, I was going to say, you know who her character is? It, all right. She's Mr. Holland from Mr. Holland's Opus, but instead of... The way he was at the first year of teaching, where he was practically beating the students out the door on his way out, except it's much later in her career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime she was on screen, I was like, oh my God, I hate Deborah. She's awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but any, she just, she, the actress was really good on it because she made me hate her. <laughs> yeah. You know who else hated her? Uh, Viola Davis and uh, Rosie Perez. I love the fact that Deborah just goes in there to get coffee and they're all just silent. 
waiting for her to leave before they start talking. And I'm like, oh, I've been that person. <laughs> Sitting there going, <laughs> counting down silently, <laughs> five, four, three, two, one, be like, can you believe this bitch? <laughs> yeah, I think everybody can relate to that. Everybody's had that person. You're like, oh, fuck, it's this person. I have to, yeah. okay, yeah, hey, uh, please leave. Yeah. Also, Deborah is the type. Oh. I was gonna say you could see it at the beginning, and that was another thing that I thought was super cool that they did, is you could see in Viola Davis's character at the beginning, mm-hmm. there was this kind of similarity between her and Deborah. They were they were different, but they they did that first scene of her with the students where she was kind of also just sitting at the desk and sort of not into what you know she wasn't you could tell she wasn't excited by what she was doing and she was falling into that trap yeah Yeah. she definitely was and she was probably going to stay there until maggie gyllenhaal's character just kind of uh kind of kind of reinvigorates what's inside of her like like what made her want to teach in the first place yeah also deborah is the type that empties the coffee pot and doesn't put on a new pot Oh, definitely. Yeah, if we can all blame <laughs> Deborah. Yeah. I'm just going to start doing that at work. <laughs> Starting tomorrow and be like, Deborah, you emptied the coffee. <laughs> um, did anybody else notice? Because when it first started, I was like, is this movie going to be blue tint all the way through? Yeah. And I started realizing it starts off dark because it's really depressing because the movie starts off very depressing. But it gets uh, yeah. brighter and brighter as and it's like it's like blindingly bright by the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have minded if Al Pacino came in losing his losing his shit on everybody. Yeah. That would have been made the movie a little bit better for me. When I get mixed up with the teachers union, because it had a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> and for no reason he just throws a TV out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can sit here with the outdated tech tech books and your dead side <laughs> tone on your face, but you don't get to watch my fucking television. <laughs> Al, that's a shitty TV. <laughs> okay, when I woke up this morning, I did not anticipate doing the Al Pacino lines from Heat, but here we are. <laughs> you know, Just that kind of episode, y'all. Yeah. You know, life takes you in unexpected places. It does. <laughs> what kind of a show are we putting on here today? Hoo-ah! <laughs> Principal Thompson and Deborah, fuck you too! <laughs> okay, before we get into the like, okay, no, I'm sorry, but while we're just like kind of on the lighter stuff, before we, I feel like we get into the heavier subject matter of the film. Um, okay, is it just me? Or is it at all concerning to anybody how easily she leaves her daughter with a male teacher from her school <laughs> that she hasn't known all that long and says, yeah. here, babysit my nine-year-old daughter? But to be well, fair, well, <laughs> it's Oscar Isaac. Look at the yeah. guy. Do you think that guy does not have a mean bone in his body? Um, <laughs> I have an ex machina-shaped reason why he does. Okay, <laughs> but... That excluded, um, even in ex machina, I kind of wanted to trust the guy. Yeah. Even though I know I shouldn't. (laughs) But, I mean, the movie showed you why you should trust Oscar Isaac because he was line dancing with children when we meet him. That's (laughs) that's a sign that he's a good guy. 
<laughs> and you know he that is a good so guy in this movie. Terrible people don't hang around children, <laughs> right? Especially he definitely teachers. he definitely is a good guy. But that's one of those movie magic things where you're like, oh, you know, you just kind of got lucky that you risked your child with a with a uh, somebody that you haven't known all that long. Yeah, because in reality, it was like, well, on the eleven o'clock news tonight. Uh, <laughs> Some dumb woman just left it with a stranger. And yes. <laughs> a young girl fought off an attacker with the ukulele he tried to he let her play with. <laughs> Even though I do like Oscar Isaac, and I, I thought he did a good job in this movie, he didn't have a whole lot to do in this movie. No. Well, you see, according to the IMDb trivia, he is 25%. Of the IMDb trivia as well, that his character is inspired by music, and he would go on to play a musician in a Coen Brothers film. I am not kidding. That is twenty five percent of the trivia about this movie. Uh, I know. I think he actually serves an important purpose because this film is really not black and white at all. It entirely exists in a gray area, um, or blue. Or blue, you know, whatever you want to call it. Between this, we... <laughs> it's kind of hard okay, to it's, it's sort of, I, Yeah, I know. I, okay. I guess it's like what she says when, when they have a conversation after the fundraiser that they host to raise money for and raise awareness for... Uh, what they're trying to do and get parents and teachers on board with signing their petition. He tells her that she's anti-union and she says, I'm not anti-union for her. I think what they tried to do with this. And part of the reason I don't see it as anti-union propaganda is this had nothing to do with the union for her. It wasn't no. that she thought they shouldn't exist. It wasn't that they, she thought they were terrible. It was that she saw a flaw in a system that mm. wasn't, subject to change they weren't hearing people yeah and they weren't open to criticism so that's irrelevant to a parent who can't afford to get their child better education so all they can do is try and find a way to you know do what she can i guess yeah no, I, I completely agree with you on that that view of the movie. It's it's. I don't think it takes a stance either way. I think it's just like, hey, the system's broken. We need to do something about it. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think it's an easy answer or, or it's an easy solution either way. Oh. So can we talk about maybe the uh, one of the unsung heroes of this movie, uh, Holly Hunter? Yeah, Holly Hunter was really <laughs> Holly Hunter's great, even though she is the living embodiment of Jodie Foster's accent in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> um, no, um, I, I, I kind of really loved her character because she's the she's the union rep, and she do, she does kind of try to bribe um, you know Jamie along the way by you know offering to help her with tuition to get her daughter in a better school. But even she's kind of going on an emotional journey because she's too, she too is pro union, but you know the people that she's working with are kind of screwing her over a little bit too and doing stuff that she doesn't agree with. So yeah, and it just seems like everybody in this movie just is 
stuck in the system and they just don't want to try to fix anything because they're like, what's the point? Yeah. It, even the people, even the main guy of the union was just like, uh, yeah, what's the point? It's not going to change anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, but he was also trying to fight a larger battle because, and he is right whenever he says so many people in the world are coming down on labor unions. Um, so he was trying to fight that, and there was a battle in his backyard that he took a little bit. He, he went too far in that trying to win this one battle when there's a war out there that he's also fighting. So That's I kind of un yeah. So I give him a little bit more slack than I do Bill Nunn's character, who's just this dismissive, tenured principal who also doesn't give a shit. He's the Deborah of principals. <laughs> Although, right, still- that blames it on the students. But that's something we'll get into later. Uh, while we were talking about uh, Holly Hunter bribing her, I'm sorry, can we talk about the complete irony and probably one of the most realistic movies in this film when Holly Hunter said, Yeah, and you know what the irony is? Half the Board of Ed's kids go to this school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and to me, that was like the most poignant movie or moment in the entire movie. Because in it, because yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, but that's the way it is. The the subtitles in that scene just said the accuracy in all caps. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, full disclosure, I mean, I grew up the son of a teacher. So I know how school board people operate. (laughs) And I I even asked my mom, like, how she felt about teachers' unions. And she actually was like, I was always a member of the teachers' union because I felt like I had protection. And then she was like, but it was also kind of one of those when in Rome do as Romans do kind of things. So I I don't think that she was hardcore about it. Right. And I mean, I do think I do think it's to that point, too. I mean, people get caught up in the system. It is like he said, right? He made that that comment about uh, Shanker and what he said about how when children start paying union dues and they'll start representing the interests of school children. And I think that's kind of the point. Is it Mm -hmm. some those those should have never been contrary ideas. Exactly. You know what is good for the students and what is good from the t- for the teachers should walk hand in hand, ideally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know Oscar Isaac being the perfect you know balanced character because he sung the praise of the fact that uh, this teacher uh, he had was if it wasn't for a teachers union he would have gotten fired for teaching children subversive, filthy, dirty material. In the musical Hair. Now, to be fair, in the musical Hair, there is a song called Sodomy. And they do get naked on stage. But... I assume they cut point. Out. <laughs> Yeah. There is a film version of Hair that has a PG rating. <laughs> Everyone tends just to remember Let the Sun Shine In from that... <laughs> for that particular show. <laughs> well... I want to talk about something that I know you two probably won't relate to as much, but the the few scenes that you see him them dealing with their kids, I really related to that. <laughs> yeah, like like the homework scenes. We're just like, yeah, 
my work sucks. I hate doing that. And mm. especially as an adult, it's like, I don't remember any of this. I'm an adult <laughs> now. I've been out of school for so long. Yeah. Right. How do you do this? Like, you got me. I'm... It's, uh, yeah. which is, I'm, I don't know. You're going to fail. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't worry. We're still pushing the lie that Einstein failed math. So she'll <laughs> be fine. <laughs> Well, He's see, only a I, fucking physicist. I did decent in school, but you know, I've been out of school for a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I passed algebra when I was in high school, but if you were to put an equation in front of me, you can just reduce me to tears. I'm like, no, no, I don't remember to do this. <laughs> hey, so here's a so here's a question I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you think that? Do you think more realistically, it would not have made as good of a movie that most people in uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's situation, when Holly Hunter took her to that fancy school and offered Molly a scholarship and even threw in, you know, Nona's son, that most people would have taken that? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. they would have just put the interests of their own child above everybody else. Well, and it's yeah. Gonna... Look, I'm a childless uh, adult in this conversation, and I wanted to take her offer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and most people would because it's it, why keep fighting it when you know it's possible, almost near impossible to get done. But I understand yeah. what they're doing with that character, but most people are like, you know what? I've been fighting for this, and I know I should keep fighting. Yeah. But at the same time, I have an opportunity here. Yeah. And it's almost admirable, you know, that Maggie Gyllenhaal turned her down. I mean, because even I was just like, you are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I you think that see, just goes... <laughs> you go see James Spader for your spanking. Not a fun one this time. <laughs> I think it just goes to show how selfless she is. Because think about it. This, this, is the, this is the really sad part about it. Is, right, most of us would assume that in a perfect world, ideally, parents would parent their children. And then, yeah. chil- well... And then children would go to school and they would get educated by teachers. No one wants a world or a system where the schools have to do parenting. But unfortunately, that's kind of the world we live in, where the only other option is for a lot of times schools to pick up the slack where parents leave off. Because it's not fair for kids that didn't have parents like Maggie Gyllenhaal's character who are willing to fight for them to get a better education that they're stuck with what they've got. Mm-hmm. You know, because then how, how do they ever get out of that cycle? I think the point of a cycle is to not get out of it. <laughs> I mean, that was meant as a joke, but it's also <laughs> a, a depressing reality. It, it is a depressing reality. I, was I know. Can we just... There, but I couldn't. Did anybody sit in this movie and just think about the how genius the book Catch-22 is? <laughs> Um, look, two people in this conversation I can I could bet money on and win that we haven't read that book. So <laughs> speak for yourself, sir. Yeah, actually, I haven't. Read yeah, it. <laughs> I'm the same motherfucker. We went to the same school. <laughs> I I I cannot lie on that one. Here's I will what I know about. I say yes. 
Yeah. What I know about Catch 22s was explained badly in Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it kind of comes like some of the I some of the fuel behind this movie for um I think for the people who made it and for myself personally cuz going even after I, even after I saw this film I, I was still considering being a teacher but this film had a like a profound impact on me of how teachers have a lot of power but they don't always they're in a very difficult position mm. and Nona's speech I think kind of shed a little light like on where the creator's heads were at where she was oh. talking about how you know there's raise people... your hand who who do, who do this for the money <clears throat> no 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 the the speech she gives at the rally the first speech I think they're both oh, excellent okay. but the first speech she gives at the rally where she's talking about how there was people out there right now that were looking at their students figuring out how many were going to drop out so they knew how many prison cells to build yeah, that and was... it's a right. It's a very real, th- a re- very real thing called the school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I, they pointed out again when Nona and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character are going around talking to the teachers and the, I mean the parents, and Nona says, "Change the school, change the neighborhood." So I mean, I, I think it was, I think it was interesting that. She was put in that position and didn't do what most people would have done, but that probably would have been a more realistic portrayal had she just said, okay, well, you know, my daughter's going to get a good education now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, that's what they were going for, too, because, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's the more realistic version, it would just not make for a good m- movie. It would, it'd be a more realistic movie. Yeah. Sorry, very, I can't hear you over the sound of me selling out, Viola. <laughs> <laughs> be like, what about the kids? I'll fuck the kids. My kids are yeah. doing good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What about the kids? My kids, fine. Your kids. Uh, sorry. <laughs> They're no, true. but I think that's what's great. Like, I guess they saw that. And it was because she was so close. Like, I think part of it is she did it for Viola, her relationship with Nona. Yeah, made a big impact on the choice that she made because she knew I think Nona would have had a harder time with that because of the recognition of all the kids that were not going to get that opportunity. Yeah, if they didn't change the school. Yeah, well, Nona was pissed at her for not even telling her that 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 offer was on the table for her. You know that um, that Holly Hunter even came to talk to her. Speaking of that scene, I did like it whenever. she got into the argument. Wasn't she like a receptionist? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to tell the... him good. Tell him maybe I'll have one less job. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the day. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I was watching that scene. I was like, you probably could make more money bartending than you could doing this other job. No, most definitely. <laughs> well, right. I know bartenders, like, like and... they stay in that position because they make a lot of money if they're good. So, we ready to start doing the big questions? Yeah, I think so. All right. So, Sammy, did you have a, a line of the movie? I had one that I texted you, but I wanted to know if you if you had one. Uh, are you talking about a best line, worst line? Yeah, best line, worst line. Okay, best line, worst line. Okay, so um, just in case any of y'all are listening to this as our first episode, um, first of all, Why? 
and go back and <laughs> go back and listen to our other episodes. How you came across this one first, I don't know. Go, go um, back and listen to an episode on a movie you fucking heard about. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back and watch this movie. You'll thank me for it later. You know, I okay, yes. Um, I think one of my there's it's kind of a um a breakdown between two. This movie has a lot of cliches, but I'm actually a fan of cliches. I think cliches are cliches for a reason. Um so I really love um the speech that Nona gives and I I liked the when she was trying to convince all the teachers to at least take a look at the paperwork and they were and the petition and they were all fighting her on it and she said, you know, she asked him, she said, who's in it for the money? Because, yeah. you know, we're all in it for the money, which obviously teachers don't get paid nearly enough. So I no. think that was the point she was trying to make. But Joseph, you got anything? Um, best line. I really liked whenever she was uh, talking back to the receptionist. Like, yeah, go tell him that way. I have like one less job by the end of the day. Yeah. That was my favorite. And worst line is anything that came out of Deborah's mouth because I just hated Deborah. <laughs> Anytime she spoke, I was just like, "Oh, yeah. please shut up." I hate. I'll you. have another one, John. Whenever you. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't uh, have a worst my, line, but I have a best line. <laughs> um, my other favorite one is when uh, she's having the argument with Oscar Isaac's character, and he, he was kind of basically trying to convince her he needed, you know, more time. And she said, "You know, I don't need another." I don't need the 10,000th study about how being a poor affects education. I'm, I know being poor sucks and my kid can't read. And I, I liked that because I think that kind of summed up the movie in a nutshell. All right. So I got two, um, two best lines. And one of them is not really just a line, and I don't even have it memorized verbatim. But whenever uh, Olivia comes to see Nona and is asking her if she's ever had a blue mojito, and then that entire speech about how she's preventing the blue mojito from happening. <laughs> but uh, my, my favorite line is not, not any of the serious lines, but it's when Oscar Isaac is teaching all the teachers how to line dance in a bar. Uh, and yes. trying to get, get Nona on board. And she's like, I haven't danced since getting jiggy with it. And I wasn't jiggy back then. I was like, that's my line <laughs> of the movie right there. I forgot about that line. That was a really good line. <laughs> And if I have to have a worse line, that song that Oscar Isaac was making up about Malia. Oh, come anything, on. She, she was should a... have taken that ukulele and beaten him with it. Oh, I disagree with that one. I thought that was, I, I thought that was actually an adorable scene. I thought yeah. that was super cute. It was adorable. I know. That probably comes I said the... if I had to have one, it would be that. No, I, I, I think anything that came out of Deborah's mouth is the worst thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think the principal is worse than Deborah. I don't know. You see Deborah more than the principal. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did like whenever she was in the teacher's lounge, like the great part about being uh, on academic suspension is you don't have to be worried about fire, fired by telling your teacher to go to hell or your boss <laughs> to go to hell. So, Sammy and Joseph. Uh, what are some things that you like about this movie that we haven't talked about? Okay, I think what... Um, okay, I'll try to make this somewhere between... Uh, you know, shorter like than Boogie Tammy, Nights. No, yeah, I was going to say shorter than Boogie Nights and longer than Tammy and the T-Rex. 
Um, I don't recall going on a very long tangent and taming the T Rex, except for trying to, except for trying to explain whether or not I survived. Okay, so I liked the conflict. I liked that this film was not about something that was black and white. So it really made you think. It wasn't. I guess you should put it this way. I didn't see this movie as a movie that ended up giving you the answer. Yeah, it just gave you one of a bunch of possible solutions to a very big problem. And I think the purpose behind the movie wasn't so much to say, hey, here's a problem, here's a solution. It was to say, hey, here's a problem, go find a solution. So that's something I really liked about it. Um, I thought the performances were great. Um, I think that one of the things this movie did really well is that it ca- it didn't waste its like crucial moments in the film. It capitalized on them. Like, mm. known as two, her two speeches were excellent, which, you know... It's Viola Davis, so. Yeah. It's good. You know, it's going to be that way. But I'm a sucker. Like I said earlier, I'm a sucker for the subgenre. I really, I like it. I like what this film did with it. Um, We don't ever really dive into politics on this show, but I think that most people have a hill that they die on. They have some issue that's really important to them. And education has always been mine because I think it's like the one issue that has the potential to impact all the other issues we have because as we talked about in the pre-call I think one of our big problems is that we're a country full of people that are overprivileged and undereducated and so the education system is something that is too important not to be you know for people not to look at opportunities to improve it and unfortunately um you know, underprivileged kids kind of tend to get the short end of the stick when it comes to that. So I liked, I like, I should say, I liked the movie, the approach this movie took to it because it wasn't, well, it didn't give you the answer. It also wasn't just a solely depressing movie. It was, it took an uplifting route while at the same time telling a very depressing story. I, I, I can get behind you on that one. Cause it, you know, I, I had that same feeling towards it. But uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> uh, uh, something I liked that I, we didn't really cover, or like mine were just like little scenes. Like, uh, there were some little scenes I liked, like uh, the scene where her daughter is uh, just acting out and just not really talking to her, and then she slams the door in her face and everything. It's like, ah, oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like, uh, she's not happy with me. I was like, oh, yeah, I get that, too. Yeah. It was just little things like that. It's just I was just like, yeah, I can relate to a lot of this. And I, th- I like those. Those were little, really good character moments, I thought. Yeah. Because like, the performances are really good. There's some really good character moments. There's some things I wish they would have fleshed out with the characters. Like, I would like <clears> to <throat> see more of Oscar Isaac and just a little bit more about him. Well, for one thing. Any film that has Oscar Isaac in it, you need more Oscar Isaac. That, He's, that like is He's like cowbell. He's like cowbell. You need more of it. Yeah. But um, like you said, it, my only problems with the film is just it just kind of just seemed to kind of meandered a little bit here and there, and just it just kind of seemed to. I don't know. It's hard. It was hard to explain. It's just didn't quite always 
gra- uh, grasp me every time. It was just, but I, I, I appreciated the message it was bringing. Is this one of our usual films where it's not perfect, but we don't know what to fix? I, yes. It's one of those, I wouldn't know what to tell you, what to change, what to cut. It's just one of those, like, uh, it's it's fine. It's just not something mm. I, again, I'm not going to sit down and watch it probably again unless Sammy was like, hey, let's all watch this again. And I was like, okay, let's watch it again. Saving, saving surviving chick flicks redux. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we redo all the episodes, including Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh God, no! I'm not on board for this. And I want to be back on that. I want to be on that episode because I love that movie. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll give you Brianna's number and Amanda's number. Y'all can just do do the Tammy and the T Rex podcast, and Sammy and I'll just sit this out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I guess for me. Um, I had something and I lost it. Um, You're supposed to be on top of your game, John. N- no, that was Sammy this week. Um, <laughs> so, um, one thing I like that we didn't talk about was um, Holly Hunter's speech talking about uh, the two times that her father cried and how they had, you know, worked hard to form the first, you know, union where they were. Living, I thought that was great. Usually, I, I just kind of generally love Holly Hunter. Like, I watched broadcast news for the first time uh, ever this year, and uh, I just kind of want to watch all the things Holly Hunter is in. You know, I, t- I took a shot at her accent a second ago, but that was just because I had the joke. But I genuinely love her <laughs> and everything she, she's in. We need to do Raising Arizona on the show at some point, um, but. Um, I I kind of like how they give you. Oh, one thing I really liked is whenever the union uh, started the smear campaign on Nona, and that moment she had with her child, explaining uh, the situation in which um, she was having to take him to the hospital, and she had had too much wine, and she crashed into something, and it may have given him brain damage, and she's just and the way the son was just like but you didn't hurt me and I forgive you. And if you want to lie down with me, you can like, that was a really great touching scene. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, there's just like a lot of little moments. Uh, some I wish we had more of and, you know, you know, this movie's like two hours. This movie could have stood to be two and a half hours and we could have gotten maybe some more flushing out. I'd say that, and we could have had a two-and-a-half-hour cut of this, and it'd just be like, 90 minutes. I only need 90 minutes. <laughs> so it would be the opposite effect of Brideshead? Possibly. <laughs> I, don't think we've, I don't think we've ever told that story on, on the no, show. No, it, it's a great uh, how story. We went to go see, yeah, we went to go see the uh, most recent film adaptation of... Uh, Bride's Head Revisited. I drugged Joseph because I'm like, I've heard of this. This sounds good. You know, Art House Forever. We must see this. And then we were like two of the only three people in the theater and we left what felt like a four hour movie and we were surprised that it was still daylight outside and we, we were <laughs> like and then we were like 
you know, if we just cut an hour out of this movie, it would have been great. And then I checked the run time. I was like, well, then there would have been 40 minutes of this movie. <laughs> it was like under two hours. But the movie but felt dragged. like <laughs> dragged forever. This movie actually felt had had a really pretty decent pace at most of the time. Like I was never really bored in it. It was just I felt like it could have used tightening up in certain places. Yeah, faster with more intensity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Sammy and Joseph, what are some things about this film that you didn't like? If anything exists. Surprisingly, not a lot um, exists. But, you know, I guess I kind of have to, I guess I kind of have to agree with Joseph on some of the pacing issues. And, you know, I kind of think y'all hit the nail on the head. I think that this story could have benefited from being a television series as opposed to a movie. Just watch The Wire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because I think that they could have fleshed some of this stuff out, um, you know, a little bit more. And I think that that would have... I've seen it. It's possible. That would have been helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I've gone an hour without mentioning it, so... (laughs) I'm surprised if anybody's not drunk by the end of this episode that's playing the drinking game. (laughs) Usually, I think our listeners get drunk before they start listening. You you probably got a point. (laughs) Sorry, continue, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just in that kind of episode. I actually had thought of something else that I liked that I was going to mention, and now it has completely escaped me. <laughs> Some idiot kept, keeps bringing up a show no one's in, no one on the call is going to watch. <laughs> I will eventually get to it. And Everyone says someday. that. No one ever... No one... <laughs> There are people that have been told to watch the year for a decade that are just now, just now started at the beginning of, uh, no, at the end of COVID. <laughs> Assuming we're at the end. So is it my turn? Yes. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was making sure. Um, well, obviously, things I didn't like about Deborah. Fuck that woman. I uh, I hate Deborah. Deborah deserves to just be fired or just be miserable for the rest of her life. But uh, I think she is. <laughs> well, I know, and she deserves to be that way. Um, and that was the whole point of this movie. If Deborah could have just been fired, none of this would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, what you didn't know is the other piece of IMDb trivia is the original title of this film was called "Fuck Deborah." <laughs> You know, but believe it or not, there were like 19 other films with that same title, and they didn't want to cause confusion. I don't think, I don't think those films would have been confused with the films at all. <laughs> but the only other thing I didn't really like, I think I mentioned it, like I wanted to see more of the kids. Like I didn't, I don't want a whole subplot or anything. I just wanted more of them. Like, you didn't really get to know them that much. They were just kind of there. Yeah. And uh, I, again, I would wanted to see more of Oscar Isaac and her relationship <clears throat> out because they kind of fought for a few minutes, and she told him like gave him a hint like, "Hey, you can leave if you want to." And yeah. it was, I don't it was know if an, 
I don't know if an open door and a finger pointing at it is a hand. I think that's <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, I was what I'm saying is it didn't really, it really was a fight. It was more of like he was like, okay, well, I'll just shut up now and uh, end their conversation. But it was just kind of like <laughs> I, I would have liked to have seen more of their relationship, just kind of explored, just not like things yeah. hinted at or just things kind of glossed over. Yeah. But that's just me. That's... So, me go now? Yes, you go now. Okay. So, no one's uh, mentioned this yet, but uh, this movie has some awful pacing in a character named Deborah that needs to <laughs> fuck off. Um, you're you're yeah. telling us brand new information here. Right? <laughs> so, to be honest, I mean, other than those two things that have been said at least once on the show, I don't really have a lot of things about the film I don't like from a film perspective. I mean, this is a movie that whether or not you kind of are on board for the message of the film, it's still all, for me, it was wrapped up in the performances of like seven Oscar nominees (laughs) and a guy from The Wire. (laughs) <laughs> right I, you know I think for a movie that so many people criticize it has an incredibly strong cast that does mm-hmm. some very good things with some very good material but they they obviously you can tell when actors are not motivated by the story and you could tell these actors enjoyed what they were doing mm-hmm. um, but I do I remembered what I liked that I forgot about mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac's character um, I like that the point he made where um, he said, I just want to teach. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's all he wanted to do. Um, and I thought that was just another one of the ways his character was kind of like. I just thought his character was really smart for a secondary character. He held a lot of balance for the story. And I think that he carried a lot of what the movie, the points the movie was trying to get across. Yeah. Uh, and I thought of one thing that we haven't really talked about is uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, who's probably the one no one in this call knew who she was. And I had to look her up because she too is an Oscar nominee, and I didn't know from what. And then I looked her up. She was in a Mike Lee film called Secrets and Lies back in 96. And I was like, oh, my God, that's how I know this woman. So she's a Brit. And uh, I thought she was she was great in her very small performance. Since we're all bringing up something that we just remembered, I actually mm-hmm. did like Ving Rang's perform- performance in this movie. He was barely in this movie. He, he came. But, but it was just like Ving Rang's just coming in like, yeah, I'm going to do my thing and I'm just going to get out of here. Uh, yeah. And you're going to like it for the most part. <laughs> Yeah. That dude should be president in a movie. <laughs> yep. As long as his uh, uh, campaign slogan at some point is, I'm going to get medieval on their ass. I don't even know who they are, but just <laughs> do it. Yeah, I can't. Oh, I keep coming up with things. That was something else I really liked. Like, I, I actually really liked the ending because, I don't know, I just thought it i thought it was a really great mm-hmm. way to end it especially when you couple it with that 
great scene where they took the little Nerf gun looking thing and they were, <laughs> she was, um, they're trying to figure out who was going to vote for their proposal on the school board. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, talking about the one, the one school board member who just basically sleeps through all the hearings and just wakes up when it's time to vote. Yep. Um, And I, I, I just thought that was neat because at the end he was kind of like, well, you know, I don't know that you guys can do it. It's quite possible you guys will fail, but um, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. Go for it. He's the guy who's like, you know what? I'm bored with my life right now. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I want some payout. Yeah. The school's yeah. been failing for 19 years. We might as well try something different. Yeah. Can, can it get any worse? <laughs> he, he, he woke up that afternoon and he chose chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Part of but me wants to think there's a subplot where he actually hates all of his colleagues, <laughs> and just he's just like you know what, Joseph, fuck all Joseph, people. Joseph, he's on a school board. I can almost guarantee. <laughs> oh right, okay. By the way, anybody else get the impression at the beginning of the movie when Maggie Gyllenhaal's harassing all the parents that she's definitely the parent all the other kids' kids' parents hate? Yes, a hundred percent. I assure you, they all just like if they not, weren't. Right, do not if, talk if to her she, kid. Yeah. If she was going to the mag, if she was going to the charter school, she would be that mom on the soccer team that bitches about the way they cut the oranges for the soccer match. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, that is very true. Yeah. All right. So before we think of anything else. To wait, wait, wait. I, got one more. I got one more. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, I, I, you called my bluff. I do not have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's Joseph Sammy. Did you survive? Won't back down. Joseph, you go first. You, you know, I survived it. Like I said, I didn't think it was a bad movie. I also don't think it was a great movie, but it's one of those I don't, definitely don't regret seeing it. I thought it had some great performances and had some really great character moments. And then I enjoyed the message that they were trying to put out there because it's, it's definitely not a black or white situation. And I don't think they really showed a black or white situation. No. And, and it's, like I said, it's, it's definitely one that I probably won't sit down and watch over and over again, but if it's ever on for some reason, I'm like, Oh yeah, let's watch it. You know, I enjoyed it. Sammy, just for just for consistency, <laughs> she hated it. Never wants to watch this movie. Right, ever. one of these days what we're actually going to shock people with our taste. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I survived. This is this is one of those movies I can just pop in and watch anytime. It's it's on my short list with like Freedom Riders, Coach Carter. Um, and then it used to be like Lean on Me and your, there's others. Your, your go-to uh, movie list is a lot heavier than mine. And mine includes <laughs> The Exorcist. Uh, I think all of y'all's movies list is a lot heavier than mine. Because one of the ones I can just pop on is a really 
dumb movie. <laughs> I swear to God, if you say the pest. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know my like my my go to poppin movies also include like Never Been Kissed and Step Up and Hallmark movies. <laughs> so yeah. some balance my, exists. There is a balance. Yeah. My mine includes Godfather Two, Exorcist, and Sleepaway Camp. Those are what do those have in common? They were all films made in color. <laughs> They star people. Oh yeah, they star people. They have something that resembles a plot. Uh, In in this case, Godfather has like several plots. Stretching it there. Uh, Yeah, that's what I do best. I stretch. (laughs) All right, John. So yeah, um, this movie is like a decade old, and it's one of those movies I barely remember coming out, but I do remember it coming out. And um, having seen it for the show, yeah, I survived it. Is it perfect? No. Do I know how to fix it? No. And by by that logic, I can go into a school board to take over school. <laughs> um, now, I, and what I'm about to say, I am not saying for the purposes of the drinking game or the joke. I do think that we have seen similar, you know, Yes, season four of The Wire handles a broken education system in a much more realistic way. But this is the popcorn movie version of that. This is supposed to be uplifting, whereas The Wire will make you cry several times. And even as it ends, its ending to the series as a whole is completely depressing because it shows you what happens to every character that still has a pulse at the end of that show. Um, You're really selling it right now, John. To be honest, to be honest, The Wire is a very, very, very well written, very well acted, fantastically put together show that does not hold your hand, throws you into this world, and it's like sink or swim, bitch. Oh, so it's like but, Sons of Anarchy. Um, no, I think Sons of Anarchy had some exposition now and there. I spent uh, nine of the first ten episodes of uh, The Wire going, who are these people again? I know McNulty <laughs> and Omar. That's it. Um, but as for the film that we're coming to talk to and not season four of The Wire, yeah, this movie is good. It's enjoyable. Will I watch it again? I'm kind of in the boat Joseph's in where I'm like, if it was suggested for a movie night, I'm not going to complain because I know what I'm getting into. But would I watch it again on my own? Time will tell. I'll probably watch Never Been Kissed ten times before I watch this movie again. But I'm glad I saw it. As for the political message for it, I mean, you're talking about an issue where both sides of the aisle have opinions, and they're both right and wrong in equal measure. So, um... So I don't really think about that. I'm just watching Maggie Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, Oscar Isaac, Holly Hunter, and Rosie Perez remind you why those are like the names of five of our best actors working in the medium. So, but next week, I don't know if we're talking about some of the best actors in the medium, but I... Uh, we are doing our first foray into John Waters, and don't worry, listeners, oh, I'm oh, not going to make you. Like... No, uh, sorry, okay. Joseph. You, you're st- 
you still, we're not going to make anyone watch a 300-pound drag queen eat dog shit, but we are going to watch a 300-pound uh, uh, drag queen try to keep her shit together in, in, a, in her dysfunctional family as we take on John Waters' 1980 classic, Polyester, at one of a film that I have had a violent swing in my reaction to in, in, the, in the 20 years between I, the first time I saw it and now. So just and, tell me, well, is it, will I actually like this movie or will I hate it like Pink Flamingos? Um, I will, I don't, I can't answer that for you. <laughs> uh, what I can say is at no point does anybody's asshole sing Surfing Bird. Well, that's, that's a sigh of relief. So it's a, it's, it's, step in a, it's a step into a better direction for you, Joseph. And okay. I know uh, at least Mark and Carrie, I, Carrie? Wow. Karen are going to come on to talk about something that's not on the road to five cream. Yes, I just worked that in. <laughs> so, uh, but until next week, thank you listeners for uh, putting up with our shenanigans for one more week. If you like us, Give us a nice rating on iTunes. Shoot us an email at Surviving Chick Flicks to tell us uh, a movie you want to see, things that we got wrong, things that we got right, chicken recipes. Just get, just send us emails. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, you're just following my Twitter now, which is at TrapperJohn1210. Uh, we'll say once again, all opinions on there are the, those of me and not of Surviving Chick Flicks and uh, <laughs> Circle of Junk Productions as a whole. And also, just, we have, and I what? just want to say, any of the opinions I had is all John's fault. You can send him all the hate mail because he made me say it. Yeah. Anyway, so we <laughs> also have a TikTok and a uh, Instagram that Sammy has full control of, and uh, Joseph and I can do absolutely nothing to destroy it, as far as we know. <laughs> Somehow, uh, Joseph, thank you for coming back for another week, and oh, also Sammy. You. Thank you for coming back, even though I kept banging that season four of The Wire drum for the entire episode. But uh, listeners, if you haven't seen The Wire, please watch it. It's a good show. <laughs> and, until, and until next week, we're not going to back down. Ha, 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 ha. Uh. <laughs> Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash surviving chick flicks, where $5 a month gets you an ad-free version of the show, as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts, and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved. Hi, how can I help you? I saw you teach. Yeah? You're really good at it. Thank you. <laughs>